1: Terms and conditions apply. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
2: Good Tuesday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa the sports Betting Network Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo Sling Game Plus iHeartRadio YouTube TV. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, how you doing, man? You uh staying up to, late to watch Australian open matches? No? Yes? No? Well, I'm not staying up. I am following <laughs> him at the least. Oh man. Uh, Two and one for us here on the show yesterday. Couldn't get the sweep done. Couldn't get the sweep done. Uh, Young Soon... Su so Young Jang did not get it done in three sets. She lost, so we get two and one. That's okay. Winnie Day will take it. Uh, coming up, we'll talk to Dan Weston about tennis, our buddy Dan Weston from across the pond. We'll talk to Dan Bespris on the NBA, all things NBA, including looking at all kinds of awards. Wes Reynolds will join us as well. He is hosting the Lombardi line today, so we'll talk to him right before the end of the show. Jeff and I will look at things like a stage of elimination in the NFL And momentarily here, we kick off every Tuesday to talk about all those different things. Football, basketball, tennis with Drew Dinsick from NBC Sports. uh, Bet the Edge podcast also, of course, the Deep Dive podcast. First of all, just the game last night, which I guess doesn't deserve any sort of breakdown other than that pick six is where that game kind of ended when Kyler Murray did his best Carson Wentz imitation and next thing you know, Long was in the end zone. It was 21 to nothing. It was sort of like when Kelsey scored that touchdown late in the first half for the Chiefs. Katie barred the door at that point against the Steelers. You had six games this weekend, four of which were done by halftime, one marred by a referee, and then there was the San Francisco-Dallas uh, fun stuff. But uh, here's the deal. Arizona ends their season 11-7 and with five losses in their final six games. Or you could look at it as a 7-0 and start. That ended 4-7, and however you choose, Right. Uh, last year they went three and six to miss the playoffs. More on that later. Hold that, bookmark that. Arizona minus three yards in the first quarter. That's minus three yards in the first quarter last night. Second worst by any team in a first quarter in the past thirty five postseasons per ESPN stats and information. By the end of their fourth possession, they had four punts on four three and outs and minus four yards total. At one point, Odell Beckham Jr. had more passing yards than Kyler Murray, forty to twenty eight. The first time the Cardinals got a first down came with 645 left in the first half. Arizona didn't have a play in Rams territory until there were 648 left in the third quarter. There's more. 0 for 9 on third downs for the Cardinals. It's the 8th 0 for 9 or worse in a playoff game during the Super Bowl era. Arizona had eight consecutive drives, resulting zero first downs, a bumble or a pick. Longest such streak to open a playoff game since the Raiders did it in 1980. By the way, 183 total yards of offense for Arizona, the fewest allowed by the Rams this season. Teams were 82-0 when leading by 21 points or more this year. Make it 83-0. There's more, but we'll get to it. Drew Dinsick is here. Drew, I could add more, but uh, I guess I've piled on enough. Of the the four blowouts this, this weekend... And we're talking, let's talk first halves here. We're talking about the performance by the Patriots in the first half against the Bills, the Steelers in the first half against the Chiefs, the Eagles in their first half against the Bucks, and now this last night, Cardinals against the Rams. Was that power ranked the worst of the bunch? Or if we're looking at it bizarro, the worst of them all, number one?
3: I would say yes, only because it didn't, like, even as it was a clearly lopsided contest at halftime, it didn't even feel like the Rams had really maximized their opportunities in that game. And yet still it was over. Um, so I will say it, the Cardinals was the worst performance of the bunch. And, uh, I, I, I guess is you, if you step back and reflect on this, um, I would not categorize those all in the same, you know, in the same categories. Um, the, Steelers and the the Chiefs game, that was just a a mismatch. The Steelers didn't deserve to be a playoff team. The way that they had got into the playoffs was fairly lucky. uh, And realistically, getting to nine wins was an enormous accomplishment for a team that was pretty clearly bottom half power ranked over over the balance of the NFL season. Uh, And so they were going to get run by the Chiefs. It was just a matter of you know, when the chiefs flipped the switch and and how much of their playbook they were really willing to dive into Um, the, uh, the Tampa Bay over Philly and uh, Rams over Cardinals games had a lot of the same um sort of themes and that is you had a very inexperienced quarterback and coach combination on one side of the field up against the uh, an opponent that you know in the case of Tampa Bay had the most experienced quarterback of all time uh, and in the case of uh, you know the la Rams you at least had a quarterback who had had a number of reps in playoff opportunities and a, and a coach who is who has taken a team to the Super Bowl so the inequity of experience was pretty clear just in terms of nerves in terms of um, you know approach to the game and yeah you've noted the the pick six really was kind of the icing, uh, you know, put that game on ice for the most part for the Rams. But um, you know, it was really, I thought almost went going back to the big, uh, you know, the huge heave um, by Kyler Murray on the second drive, deep in his own end zone. He's on the run. He has not looked comfortable to that point. He Mm -hmm. uncorks like a 60 yarder. And um, that was a good pass. His, 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 wide receiver kind of quit on the route because it looked like he was going to run into the other guys running routes out there. Um, and, but if they complete that pass and they get a huge chunk of yards there and they flip the field, um, you know, the way McVeigh was calling that game conservatism, you know, conservative, uh, conservatism wise, uh, I would have said the Cardinals still, they might, they might've found, found their calm. They might've uh, gotten their feet under them to that, to, to some degree. And at least giving us a contest. Now, as someone who was very, very pro Rams last night, I was just delighted <laughs> by yes. that outcome. I could not have asked for a better, uh, you know,
2: way that that played out because that was an absolute sweat-free. Can I um, quote Rams you from the Megapod? On. Drew was kind enough to come <laughs> sure, on the Megapod, yes. the beating of the book Megapod last year, uh, last week, and said, and you'll you'll. I don't know if I get the wording wrong here, but you said you only have one chance to fade Cliff Kingsbury in his first playoff game. And you are, you are going to absolutely take that opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, on top of that, we kind of
3: joked about it, but like maybe his only ever playoff opportunity. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, You know, it's pretty obvious to me, at least and particularly in the aftermath, some of the quotes you've gotten from his camp about how they prepared for that game. Um, Not sure he's the answer. And, you know, there's a bunch of teams that kind of it's it's really funny because we have turned over a lot of head coaches in this league already this year. A lot. Mm -hmm. And it's not obvious that there's like a huge swath of, you know, really uh, you know, worthy candidates to go to when you look across the, you know, the successful clubs and you know, who's, who's really driving success there. Um, You know, there's not a lot of really good head coaching candidates. And yet here we sit with a bunch of teams that underperformed in the playoffs this year, who you look at, they are like, they don't have a guy. And yet you know, there's not an obvious, clear upgrade for teams like Dallas and and Mike McCarthy for teams like Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. Like, they just kind of have to keep you know letting this let, you know you know run it back until eventually yeah. it doesn't work. And you know, if, it, if it only
2: we be... had cited those two coaches specifically a hundred <laughs> times this year, you know, and and the Cliff King, yeah. the Cliff Kingsbury thing, I, I just mentioned because I said bookmark this. So you know, this year again, he finishes you know the last. Six games, let's say. Five of, they lose their last five of six. Five of their last six. You know, it's like Hopkins goes down and the world falls apart for them. And last year, I mentioned they lost five of their last seven. Well, in 2019, they lost their last seven of nine. That team stunk. But if you go back to Texas Tech, and this is courtesy of the, of the Action Network, 2018, Texas Tech lost five of their last five. 2017 lost six of their last eight. 2016 lost six of their last eight under Kingsbury. 2015 lost four of their last six. 2014 lost four of their last six. 2013 lost five of their last six. Drew, I don't know, but I might be sensing a pattern.
3: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take uh, Sherlock Holmes to see a pattern there, no doubt. Uh, It is pretty amazing that uh, Kingsbury has gotten the leash that he has, really, in uh, Arizona, uh, considering this is such a distinct um, you know, sort of, uh, clear evidence that he does not adjust in season. He doesn't self evaluate. He doesn't try to continue to improve his team's approach to games. they become predictable. Um, I mean, honestly, the Rams are guilty of this too. <laughs> like there's, there's absolutely yeah. same signal for McVay. Right. Um, it's just McVeigh is, you know, he's got better players on the field. Um, you know, so it's, it's, a it, it's pretty again, but again, like If you're a, if you're an Arizona hardcore fan and you're like, oh my God, Kyler Murray absolutely is a guy. He got his first playoff stinker out of the way. Like if we continue to build around this young player, we have a potential, you know, Super Bowl team on our hands, but the head coach is a problem. Um, I'm not really even sure what you do to upgrade at this point. I mean, like there are clearly a couple of offensive coordinators I find I have huge affinity for um, who are basically who are facing off this week. Ironically, between uh, Dable and uh, Bienemy, and like either one of those guys, in my opinion, like your my my opinion of the Cardinals heading into 2022 changes dramatically if you uh, if Me you Kingsbury yeah. and you and you and you grab one of those two guys. And honestly, like it's a good landing spot, particularly as you look across the landscape and you kind of evaluate all of the different coaching situations. So, I'm not saying that they need to make the move, but I'm saying if I was a hardcore Cardinals fan, I would be I would be more excited
2: about our team's prospects next year if we did upgrade our uh, our head coaching position. So, we'll let you talk more about this after the break cuz we're going to run into a wall here, but so it's minus 3. The Buccaneers are 3 point favorites. Boyd had this up in town yesterday a hypothetical line at bucks minus four. Then they took it out, uh, took it down. Obviously when the game started, we thought four. my goodness, that seems like a lot, especially with the Tristan Wirfs thing. It's three. Don't you take the Rams here? I mean, if I didn't already (laughs) have an enormous position on them, yes, Yes. me too. (laughs) NFC anyway. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, my fair. I was guessing we were going to see a three and a half. I think that was a little optimistic. Uh, uh, pretty clearly, there. I guess, and again, kind of. I I look back at the first matchup between these two teams, and you can you're going to hear two. Two evaluations of that game. Some people are going to tell you that was the, the the Rams played up. They played their early season Super Bowl. Everything went great for them, and now the Buccaneers are going to get their revenge. And then you will hear other people who will say they exposed a lot of positive matchups with this Buccaneers team that still exist. Uh, and I think that is more
2: in the camp where I fall for this one. All right, we'll uh, come back with Drew. We'll see if he has any other football plays given 24 hours to think about it after yesterday's appearance on the show a uh, very small nba slate he went two and one yesterday australian open we'll get all his picks on all three next numbers game visa the sports betting network
0: zero foxtrot isn't just a brand it's a way of life founded and operated by veterans zero foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture
1: Terms and conditions apply.
3: The numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network.
2: Football playoff season is here, and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app st- uh, today, rather, and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. Then start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Bingo, bango. It's that easy. That's not written, I just said that. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I said I could go on with the stuff from last night. Eh, I will just briefly. Kyler Murray, this is by halftime. This again, according to ESPN. By halftime, Kyler Murray had seven completions and the deepest was one air yard. For, for an average of minus 0.7 air yards. And this is the one I wanted to bring up. Murray, by halftime, had just one rush for minus one yards and no scrambles. Remember, his 88 rushes, including 30 scrambles during the regular season, were fourth among quarterbacks. That was the other thing that stuck out to me last night on primetime action with Matt and Kelly. I kept saying he refuses to run, has no interest in running in this game. And then the last thing, by halftime, the Cardinals averaged 1.5 yards per play, the second fewest in the first half of a playoff game over the past 20 seasons. We bring back uh, Drew Didsick from Deep Dive and also the Bet the Edge podcast at whale underscore capper. So we just got a uh, text from our buddy Chris Felica, the bear, who says he's taking all the dogs this coming weekend. He's taking all four dogs, to which I shot back. Uh, I don't know about that. I think I'm taking uh, Tennessee at least, uh, giving the points. Jeff said me and him are going to go. Jeff and I are going to go oppo on Cincinnati and Tennessee all week. What is your instinct? And then 24 hours after we spoke, have you made any bets yet?
3: No, I'm still uh, sitting tight. And you know, this time of year, it's not un. it. it I usually am slow playing the postseason as opposed to trying to get ahead of the market on the, in the, in the regular season. Um, I like Chris's thinking <laughs> I really hope that the bills and the Rams win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, ultimately uh, uh, I agree with, I, I agree with the market is uh, getting close to fair here on this Tennessee side. Uh, I thought two and a half for Tennessee was bettable. I thought three and a half for Cincinnati was bettable. I think this lands three ultimately uh, flat three. So if you want, if you want to get involved, if you want to capture some market value, I think the Cincinnati is the bet and this closes three uh, in the, uh, I think that you can still get some five and five and a half for the Packers. I think the Packers are the one favorite that you have to take sincerely. Um, and it's mostly because I'm concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, ability to perform in the weather and the elements uh, considering now he's dealing with a, th- a thumb and a shoulder. When we talked yesterday, we knew the thumb was an issue. It looked pretty obvious to me that the, you know, that, I'm entirely spe- I'm speculating. Don't have any inside information here. I'm assuming he got the, you know, the, the pain numbing shot, the good stuff um, to help yeah. The, he got, I'm assuming he got the good stuff pregame. He looked good in the first half ball was zip, had some zip on it. He was, he, you know, he was throwing confidently. Uh, and then in the second half, his, his ball lacked a little confidence. It lacked accuracy. Uh, and then after the game, we find out uh, not only was the thumb an issue in the second half, but he has a shoulder sprain now also, um, if, the, you know, and, and honestly, like, it's not the worst idea for San Francisco to go in there with a run heavy approach that should work against green Bay in general. Like, it's not like I think San Francisco is going to get shut out here because grapple can't throw the ball. Um, but the degree, you know, the, the, the amount of, um, uh, you know, if Packers get out to even a modicum of a warm start, like they put their best stuff in their uh, first 15, get seven points here, you know, in their first drive after winning the coin flip. I, I'm already concerned <laughs> if I have a Niners plus five and a half ticket um, because any kind of comeback situation here for Garoppolo, considering the, uh, the elements and the injuries, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not loving, uh, I'm not loving that. So uh, I think Packers are the right side there. I think that closes closer to a touchdown and there are still some five and a halves that are, are worth laying with the Packers in my opinion.
2: And Buffalo, Kansas city, your instinct is Kansas city favored by two and a half. Yeah. My instinct is
3: that this market stays
2: right around two, two and a half all week. Uh, and that
3: Buffalo is the right side. I think you learned more about Buffalo from their performance against new England than you learned about Kansas city and their performance against, uh, the Steelers, uh, you know, the Josh Allen kind of really giving you MVP level play. Um, You know, I, am again, I'm a pie-eyed optimist with a, with a bill's ticket in my pocket here. And I, you know, I believe in this team, I bet them, um, you know, a a heck of a lot down the stretch here, uh, and. You know, I, I know that I'm higher than market on bills. I know it. Um, that said uh, they have a ton of positive matchups been. And, and really if their offense is running the same plus EV concepts that they ran against the Patriots, then I, you know, they have the absolute perfect recipe to really put scoreboard pressure on Kansas city here uh, and their defense. We haven't spent any time really kind of reflecting on Buffalo's defense and the way they performed against new England. Um, but realistically, they, they looked like they embraced the good plan for stopping Kansas city. The first time these two teams played. And the good plan is you run your two high safeties. You really make um, Patrick Mahomes do it the hard way. Um, you know, by, by taking the easy stuff as opposed to, um, you know, putting pressure on him, letting him operate out of structure and letting him hit home runs. So I think Buffalo sticks to that plan, uh, and really flummoxes, uh, Pat Mahomes in Kansas city. And if they can create a turnover or two, then I think Buffalo can win this in a lot and basically in the same sort of game script that we saw in game one.
2: Does that give you any instinct for the under 55 by, by, uh, that analysis? <clears throat>
3: uh... I don't think I can get involved at the under in a yeah, Buffalo Bills game. Yeah, I don't think so. No, not, not not with the Bills on the field. So not you with this not with this truck wagon of an <laughs> offense, no this way, team of perfection.
2: <laughs> so in the end, your yeah. your futures are you have Bills and Rams futures. Yeah, those are my two horses yeah. here. I got Tennessee yeah. and I got the Rams. Those are my two horses here. Um, okay. We'll do well, stage. Of... Hopefully we get to go head-to-head in yes. the NFC title game next week. Stage those of elimination uh, props coming up or market coming up. We'll look at that. Uh, only two NBA games today. They're not very sexy. Minnesota, three-point favorites on the road at New York. Golden State by 15 at home against Detroit. Any plays on either?
3: Uh, I make the prices in the Minnesota-New York spot on market. Um, I don't really have a sense as to whether the Golden State Warriors can cover a 15 point spread at this point, but I did make that total three points too low. Um, I bet over 216 there. I think that's on its way up, but uh, anything under 220 there is a fair play by my numbers.
2: All right. An Australian open heading into the second round. I have two picks, two dogs coming up later on the show. Ooh, What do you can't have wait to hear what tonight? They are.
3: Uh, a really, really tough card tonight. For yes, me. Uh, I agree. Not showing not showing i my process is is pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, I look across the card. I run my numbers. I evaluate which dogs have value. And then I say, okay, well, is there a case to be made you know, qualitatively? Is there a case to be made to back this dog in the money line? Or should we attack it on the game's handicap or the, or the over? Um, and there's only three dogs that popped for me tonight. Uh, Oscar Ott against Sonigo. Um, I'm nowhere close to plus 200 for him. I'm closer to a 50, 50 match there. Um, and I'm going to probably, I'm, I have not played anything yet, but I'm probably going to go with Oscar out on the money line to upset Sanigo. Um And then I show some value on Kuhn against Shapovalov. Uh, that's probably an opportunity to take a uh, sets handicap, although I haven't dabbled in that just this yet. Uh, and then uh, the last dog that I had value on was Bublik against uh, Gael Monfi. Now Monfi has been hot so far this season, so it's tough to go against him, particularly after he um, was utterly dynamic in round one match. Um, but Bublik is a tough out and Bublik played him very, very tough. Uh, in the French open in 2020, um, obviously Montfi was not in great form at that time, but, uh, that's the kind of win that you have head to head at slam level. <laughs> that gives you confidence as a dog, I think. So, um, I'm likely going to take the, uh, the games handicap with Bublik, games, handicap with Bublik, uh, sets
2: handicap with Kwan and then, uh, Oscar out on the money line for me. All right. Well, one of those three is one of my two. How about that? Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. because I had the exact same reaction to your... By the way, that was the other thing yesterday. That was so It's so interesting when I talk to you. It's so interesting when I talk to Dan Weston. <laughs> so yesterday I had three plays. The one that lost of the three, because we went two and one, but the one that lost was on the uh, young Korean player, Jang, who lost to Kavinich Kvin- uh, in three sets. Mm. About eight hours later, not eight hours, but about six hours later, uh, Dan puts out his plays he lands on the exact same player so we both lost <laughs> on her and and when you yeah. have 64 you know 32 matches I guess um, on the lady side and in, in one you know in one swath and 32 on the men's, and you land on the same exact match, that should be telling people that, And because we're, we're not talking <laughs> to each other, right? So you yeah. and I here, again, you're talking double-digit amount of matches. The fact that we match on one is, is pretty interesting, because we're obviously looking at some of the, name, the, same, the uh, same things, I think some of the same data. Um, do you have any guess which of the three it is?
3: I don't, but should I'm I? curious... I, I will I will I'll let the listeners live in suspense here but I got to ask you about the ehm um, match in the market yesterday. Do you know why uh, do you get why cuz everybody that I knew a lot of a lot of vantage players yeah. had a, uh, a Cristea ticket. Uh, it like that was that felt lopsided in terms of just the sh- sharp action was on the dog there and the market didn't really react much. Did you have a, a read on what was going on with that? The one?
2: only you know Covidava K- had had a marginal data you know, if you go back 12 months, 6 months, a very marginal advantage in data. Not nearly enough to support the the price. And I think the okay. rest of it was probably just name recognition, right? Sir Stea had, okay. had beat her last year in the Australian Open, too. This was so comprehensive yeah. last night where it was just nothing from Kvitima. Yeah. So,
3: yeah, good that on was you. Interesting.
2: Good yep. on you with that one. Uh, Drew, thank you as always. We'll put your uh, plays in the newsletter. We always appreciate it, man. Hey, best of luck tonight, guys. You too. Drew Dinsick, everybody, at whale underscore capper. And of course, uh, you can follow him again, the Deep Dive podcast and NBC Sports Bet the Edge, one with Andy Molitor, the other with Sarah Perlman. Jeff and I will take a look at this NFL market stage of elimination next.
3: A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting
2: network. It is never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs. And then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vsin.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. Happy to be there. Looking forward to that. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the entire VSIN crew of betting experts before, during, and after the action on vSyn.com. Skill Alexander and Jeff Parlay here, producer number five and eight. Uh, Jeff still to come, of course. Wes Reynolds will join us to talk all things uh, NFL, maybe get some golf thoughts from him. I don't know, bend his ear about anything. Air Supply, his favorite Air Supply song from the 70s. It could go anywhere with with Wes, right before the Lombardi line, which he hosts today. Uh, We'll also talk to Dan Weston on tennis and Dan Bespris on the NBA here momentarily. I wanted to do uh, awards, all these awards with Dano, and X and he's like, oh, man, could you give me a week to to really, like, study him closely? And I'm like, no, we're going to talk about him briefly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get the brief reaction from Dan this week and then the deep dive reaction from Dan next week on a mess of NBA awards. Uh, speaking of awards, before – and I'll give out my tennis picks later, uh, and we'll also look at stage of elimination props in the NFL. Um, speaking of awards, the NFL awards, which have already obviously – you know, the the field of play, the regular season where these awards uh, consist of, no postseason play matters. They're already voted on. They're announced all on February 10th. We haven't talked about them because they're not bettable anymore. But we talked about them all season as to what we thought our, you know, proper plays should be. Some of these markets did not exist in the state of Nevada, quite frankly. So we only said, you know, hey, if you're in a jurisdiction where these exist, um, this is what we would bet. But it's interesting because a lot of people, Jeff, are doing these things where they're taking polls of groups of people. And to the extent that these are reflective of how these awards are going to go, people who are holding tickets might find it interesting. So tell me how many of these six people you know, Jeff, off t- offhand. Because this is a group at Monday Morning Quarterback at Sports Illustrated polling six people. Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter. We know Albert Breer. We've heard of Albert. Connor Orr, staff writer. Do you know who that is? You do? Okay. Uh, Michael Rosenberg, also senior writer. Michael Rosenberg. Andrew Brandt, of course, we know, business of football columnist. Uh, Gary Gramling, senior editor. And Mitch Goldich, editor and writer. So six people uh, polled. You knew all
4: of those guys? All six? Yes. Uh, Mitch Goldich is a uh, uh, claim to fame as he's the one who
2: came up with the octopus. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So for MVP, polling these six guys. For MVP, Aaron Rodgers ends up with 29 total points, talking five first place voice and uh, five five first place votes. One second, Tom Brady ends up in second with 22 points, one first place vote, four seconds, one fifth. Wow! Somebody put Tom. Somebody put Tom Brady fifth. And then it drops down to Joe Burrow, 15 points, four-thirds, one-fourth, one-fifth among those six players. No surprise there, right? We agree that it's Aaron Rodgers. And it's Aaron Rodgers, even though the points seem close, it's still five-first versus one-first. You don't have a problem with that, right? No surprise there. Nope. Okay. How about Offensive Player of the Year? Remember, an award that is really historically only given to quarterbacks and running backs, the only time it ever gone to a wide receiver were twice to Jerry Rice, the great Jerry Rice, once to Michael Thomas. Cooper Cup, when pulling these six, 26 points. Three firsts, two seconds, one third. Jonathan Taylor, second, 22 points, one first, three second place votes, one third, one fourth. And then it drops all the way down to Mark Andrews and Devontae Adams. No surprise there, right? Cooper Cup gets the edge. I would give Cup the slight edge over Taylor, yeah. Yeah. That's, it kind of sucks for Jonathan Taylor, but yeah, I get it. All right. Now, does this, d- does this surprise you at all? Defensive player of the year. T.J. Watt ends up with 29 points, five firsts and one second. Then it drops down to Micah Parsons in second at 19 points, one first, two seconds, one third, one fourth, one fifth among the six voting. Aaron Donald, third, 18 points, two second place votes, three thirds, one fifth. Also no surprise, right? No surprise. I mean, I would
4: vote Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year, every Every single single year year. at this point. Every year. But, but. T.J. Watt winning that award is not a surprise.
2: He matches Michael Strahan's single-season record for 22-and-a-half sacks. Yes, I know he played they had one extra game on the schedule. But didn't T.J. Watt miss some games this year? T.J. Watt did it in yeah. 14. Yeah. So, yeah, so no surprise there. Okay, how about Offensive Rookie of the Year? The mano-a-mano between Jamar Chase and Mac Jones. Jamar Chase, the perfect score of 30 points, all six first-place votes. With Mac Jones getting 23 points, five second-place votes and one-third. You, you got p- the other second. Uh, that's a great point. Who got the other second? Jalen Sh- Waddle. I mean, Waddle was Waddle was very, very good this year, but Jones who, was still better. Who finished fourth behind Rashawn Slater, who finished third? Who had two-thirds, two-fourths, and one-fifth.
4: No, no issue
2: with how that ended up working out. So you like Jamar, you think, so I guess the question being for those who are holding Jamar Chase and particularly those who are holding Mac Jones tickets, you think this will play out. You think this is a good reflection.
4: Yes. uh, Again, if we're going with the best offensive rookie this year, it was Jamar Chase. And honestly, Rashawn Slater is probably the second best.
2: Yeah. Boy, boy, people holding Mac Jones tickets. is The Jamar Chase masterpiece against the Chiefs is what turned this, just completely flipped this on its head. Defensive rookie of the year. No surprise, Micah Parsons, unanimous, six firsts, 30 points. Would it surprise you, not that it matters, but would it surprise you that Patrick Sertain got all six second-place votes?
4: I'll be honest with you. I would have no idea who I would vote second behind Parsons anyway.
2: I would go Owe, probably finish third. Ode, o, Odafe Owe for the, of the uh, Ravens. But Micah Parsons, unanimous. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. All right, two more here. This one might be this might one might be the most fascinating to me because it's the most nebulous of the bunch. comeback player of the year. Who would be your comeback player of the year? Jeff? it would still be Prescott, me too. Yeah. Joe Burrow, if we are to believe this vote, and again, it's six people, but six NFL writers. Joe burrow, twenty eight points, four first two seconds. Dak Prescott finishes second with two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds. Nick Bosa ends up with two seconds and three thirds and one fifth for third place. But it's Burrow first, Prescott second. Hmm. Interesting. My whole thing against Burrow was nothing against Burrow. It was just comeback player of the year is usually this massive narrative arc. So, like, let's say we named it after Alex Smith, right? Alex Smith, who underwent 17 surgeries, was this really good NFL player for more than a decade, has this horrific injury, this even worse infection that happens afterwards. He's the ultimate comeback player of the year. And then actually starts, not only forget that he start, steps on a field with the Washington football team, then starts, and actually one of the games he plays, by the way, they go five and one with him. And one of the games he plays, he has the most yards passing in the league, 390 for that given week. Comeback comeback player of the year, usually not as dramatic as maybe Alex Smith, but something like that. Joe Burrow came back from a 10-game season, his rookie year. Dak, at least, we have some history. But I guess for these folks, and maybe this is the thing about these awards, right, when we're we're betting on them, we don't know what the voters are thinking. And comeback player of the year is the most vague of them all, right? That's the problem
4: because— Joe, I'm in the same camp as you. Burrow got hurt in game ten last year. He we only had a ten game sample size. We didn't know if Joe Burrow was we assumed Joe Burrow was gonna be a good to very good NFL quarterback, but we didn't know it for sure. We had enough of a sample size to know that Dak Prescott was good to very good already. And the way that injury looked on the field, heck, we didn't know if he'd ever be the same. And Quite frankly, he probably gets hurt just because of the injury he suffered against New England this year, missing a few games and wasn't the same down the stretch, while Burrow only got better and better and
2: better as year year go on. I think you hit on it in your first sentence, which is, and I'll say it a different way, you tell me if this is really what you're saying, Joe Burrow winning comeback player of the year is really based on his national championship performance in college. That's what he's com- That's what we're really defining that from. Didn't,
4: didn't, didn't really think of it that way, but you're not
2: wrong. Because that's, that's what we're assuming. Because you can't assume, as you said, you can't assume anything from his first 10 games. I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see who gets that. I know there's a lot of people holding Dak tickets who are like, I hope they didn't, I hope they didn't lay the juice when Dak was minus ridiculous. And then finally, coach of the year. And this one I'm all aboard on. Because this is the one I've been stumping for all year. Mike Vrabel is the coach of the year. Thank you very much. Mike Vrabel, 21 points, two firsts, two seconds, one third of this poll of uh, six. I don't know what happened to his, uh, his sixth vote here. Someone abstained or something? Maybe only five people voted on this. Matt LaFleur ends up second, two firsts, two seconds, one fifth. Zach Taylor ends up third. Bill Belichick fourth. Interesting. Bill Belichick fourth because he got his team to the playoffs. Zach Taylor third. The Bengals exceeded expectations by the most of their preseason thoughts and season win total, winning the AFC North. Matt LaFleur, because he has Aaron Rodgers. I don't understand why Matt LaFleur is in this. I get it. It was great, but you have Aaron Rodgers. Mike Vrabel, though, for being the number one seed, not a playoff team, not a division winner, for being the number one seed in a conference without having your best player for nine weeks and your second best player for a month. You on board with Vrabel? 100%. Thank you. Jeff, this is this much I'll give you. When I was Tennessee, when no one else was Tennessee, you were with me the whole way. Jeff Parlay, everybody. Unwavering on the Titans as well. Uh, we'll come back. Dan Bresper's on the NBA. We'll throw those awards at him, get a quick reaction, and ask him about the Grizzlies and the Mavs next. Numbers Game Vista the Sports Betting Network.
0: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand.
2: Bet on more than the final score with One Game Parlay at BetMGM. One Game Parlay is an exciting feature designed to help you make selections within a single game from over 400 bet types, including team and player props. Log into your BetMGM account create your best parlay before the game starts. New to BetMGM? Sign up today and make your first bet risk-free. Up to $1,000 with bonus code VSIN1000. You can place One Game Parlay bets on football, basketball, and more. Plus, you'll earn M-Life rewards that you can redeem for room nights and dining at any MGM resort nationwide. Try One Game Parlay today. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit MGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wage your new customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. We get tweets at beating the book. We do sincerely always appreciate the feedback. This is from Z Free. I put on the Kenny G documentary at halftime. Need I say more? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's about the best explanation of that game last night. Kenny G. Doc at halftime. Uh, this is from uh, Matt. Good morning, Gil. It was uh, so nice to have an easy one last night. The Rams completed my two weekend parlays. Now I was really hoping the Bucks were going to be minus three and a half versus the Rams. Do you think it gets there or are the injuries too much to move that number? I really don't think it gets there. I wish it did too, but I don't think it gets there. I think we're going to see minus three tops here. Coach Brian, uh, what is the best segment slash shows and times to catch your tennis plays? Uh, Balancing teaching and the Aussie Open plays on the other side of the world is stressful. Thanks. Coach Brian, It's always I don't know if we have a certain time every single day uh, to do that. Today we will do it in the second hour. I promise you that, though. Uh, This is from PJ. PJ, hey, Gil. Uh, So I hear Drew talk about uh, first half good stuff injection of pain, this is, by the way, from podiatron, of pain medication, numbing medication. However, there are plenty of options for length or effect. Uh, An example, and I'll take off my glasses to get these right, lidocaine lasts three hours on average, while bupivacaine, bupivacaine, hope I'm pronouncing that right, or others can last six to 12 hours, so there's no wearing off after the half. Unless, of course, the NFL has some rule about which specific local anesthetic can be used, which I doubt. And even if they did, there would be no way to test it for And Again, condolences on your father. Thank you, appreciate it uh, for that assessment there. Let's talk some NBA. Let's bring in Dan Bespris, everybody from the NBA from the Fantasy NBA Today podcast and a new website. It's no longer who. It's no longer the other one. What's it called now? We are
5: Sports Ethos now because yes. we're uh, we do more than basketball. More
2: than basketball. What do you I do? Don't,
5: I don't. I don't do more than basketball. Right. <laughs> but the site is, is uh, going to be covering football and baseball as well.
2: Oh, okay. Well, let's get this out of the way because we failed to do this last week. What's the hat this week?
5: So this is the Mudville Nine. This was a team that actually never existed. This was like a one-day mm-hmm. promotion uh A la Casey at the Bat, if folks don't remember that that, uh, poem story. There was no joy in Mudville. So I'll put this hat on anytime there is no joy in Mudville. (laughs) For the
2: mighty Casey was at bat. That guy, yes. Uh, you know how off-air off, uh, off air I was saying, you were saying, hey, why don't we wait for the awards for next week so I have some time to look at them? Uh, let's do it this way. Let's get your Insta reaction, <laughs> and then next week you can have a deep dive on it. Just real quick, I'm just curious about because some of these are rando, so I just i am interested, in. they're not available everywhere. BetMGM, these are courtesy of BetMGM. Get, I'm guessing non-Nevada BetMGM, Jeff? Some actually are available. Oh, in some, well, not all, but some. There you go, Stoneback, my man. Most improved player, Dano. Ja minus two hundred. Everybody else starting with Miles Bridges is six to one or longer. Is it Ja? Oh,
5: man, I I'm I'm kind of floored because Ja was already really good. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but his team wasn't winning as much. I mean, they were okay last year. They weren't bad. They're just very very good this season. Um, the fact that he's that heavy of a favorite does make me nervous because before you threw these up there, I thought Miles Bridges was going to be the favorite. Uh, so I actually kind of like him at plus 600. He's been incredible this year, and I guess folks haven't noticed, and and unfortunately that could be a problem because folks do need to notice for you to win an award. Uh, I like Darius Garden a lot. He's had a nice jump somewhat because of his own skill, somewhat because Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton are out for the season. Uh, DeJounte Murray was another guy I was looking at going into the year, knowing that DeMar DeRozan was gone from San Antonio, so his role was going to take a, a pretty big spike. Uh, of the names on the board, instant reaction. I like Miles Bridges at plus six hundred.
2: Not Lamello at forty to one. Not really.
5: No, okay. I, I, I mean he. I guess at forty to one, you kind of have to because he has, he has taken a pretty good jump. Uh, but there's something I don't know what it is that's holding me back on the on the Lamello front. I, I just what Miles Bridges has done at the end of last season that translated into this year with the the massive point per game jump and just overall ability. I think he deserves it. And maybe unfortunately that isn't always the, the guy who gets it.
2: All right. Jeff you were whispering something in, in my ear about the, the six man we don't have?
4: Six man is the only one that we will not have a graphic because okay. Tyler Hero is such an outrageously uh, big favorite right way.
2: now. We don't need that. Let's just do one more because I want to get your current thoughts. But we, we'll 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 set some of these back for next week. But let's look at uh let's look at Coach of the Year. The sort of Midway through the season, Coach of the Year market. I'm always curious about this. Of course, it was Tom Thibodeau who uh, edged out the opponents, Monty Williams last year, and Quinn Snyder, most notably. Monty Williams is your short shot here for the Phoenix Suns. Best record in the NBA, plus 325. And then J.B. Bickerstaff of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, 4-1. to How about that?
5: I like that one a lot actually i'm I'm kind of surprised that he's that he's that high on the board, which is fairly accurate. Cleveland's been awesome this year. Uh, I like Taylor Jenkins and Memphis as another name on that board. It's seven to one. I don't think they give it to Monty Williams again, which actually kind of helps us that he's the favorite. You can kind of move down the board a little bit uh I would like Bickerstaff and Jenkins as the two and not 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 long shots. One of them's the second favorite yeah. uh but Jenkins at seven to one is pretty good Memphis. Memphis deserves a lot of credit this year. They've been so much better than people expected. Cleveland kind of the same story. Uh, But Memphis has a better record right now. So maybe it's seven to one. You could get a little value there.
2: Well, let's segue. I'll I'll save the rest of the awards for your request next week. We'll do that.
5: (laughs) Yeah, you don't want want to read the text I sent you verbatim. (laughs) I (laughs) I
2: don't want to read that. So you bring up Memphis, right? Taylor Jenkins, their head man. They've won 12 of 13. And by the way, best record in the NBA since Thanksgiving. This isn't some short-term thing with them. Also on that list, Jason Kidd is 35 to one. The Mavs have won nine of 10. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe, didn't I think in nine of 10, they've won. Yes. Yeah. So Jason Kidd, who people like to rip on, and I'm not saying he should be the coach of the year, but the Grizzlies and the Mavericks, really the two teams, you know, besides the sons of the world that are getting it done. Do those two teams have legs? I guess is what I'm asking.
5: Going into the playoffs, you mean? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. I, you know, the thing I, the feeling I get from the Grizzlies, which is kind of unfair because they're 31 and 15 right now. And they are, uh, I mean, they, they're the third best record in the NBA. And so they're the third best record in the Western conference right now. But I just watching the Grizzlies, I'm so impressed with the effort they put forth on a nightly basis. And Gil, you and I have talked a thousand times on the show about how teams generally go at about 85% during the regular season. And when you find that one team that doesn't maybe higher, 78%
2: yeah,
5: 78% yeah. (laughs) when you find the one that's going at a hundred, they tend to overperform in the regular season. I thought the Knicks were an example of that last year. They were going at a hundred the whole year and no one else was. And the Grizzlies are that this season. So, That does unnerve me a little bit come playoff time when other teams are going to roll their starters out there for 40 minutes and everybody's more rested. So not quite yet. I think the Grizzlies are one key piece away because right now they're doing it in waves. They're swarming opponents. And that's something that doesn't work quite as well when the playoff intensity gets ratcheted up. Oddly enough, I actually think the Mavericks might be a little bit better built for the playoffs Mm -hmm. because they have Luka. There's just no way to stop him. When he gets going, you could maybe make the same argument about Ja. They're different in the way that they perform. Ja does a little bit more going towards the bucket. Uh, At the end of the day, I don't think either of these teams is getting past the suns. So whenever they run into Phoenix, that would probably be the end of the road. Uh, So can I give the answer of sorta not a great answer? I know.
2: Yeah, but uh, I guess what we're hearing is conference championship. Probably not, I guess is what we would say there. But I think what you're making, I knew you, I I served. I, I knew you would, would make this point. Because it's such a great handicapping one. For those who are thinking, oh, man, Memphis, i got to get ahead of this and make a uh, a futures wager on them at some point. Um, I don't know about people who are thinking about that about Dallas. But the, the Memphis thing is so key because they are so fun to watch now. And waves, the word you use, is the perfect description. It's just like endless athletes, right? Just endless uh, watch. It's such a fun watch on a night-to-night basis. But that's great as youth in a big, long schedule when the other teams are metering their timeout. Playoffs, different story altogether. Only two games in the NBA. Uh, we leave you with this. Not really sexy Minnesota at New York. Minnesota favored by three Golden State 15 point favorites against Detroit. Anything here?
5: Nah, not really. I think uh, the Wolves have been a little too hit and miss in terms of home and road stuff. The Knicks have been all over the map. I think if I was looking at that game, I would go New York. If anything, I'm probably just watching it, seeing how the Wolves look, that they've got a back-to-back in Atlanta tomorrow, and the Hawks are starting to maybe turn a little bit of a corner. So there's something you could pull from today to use on tomorrow's much, much
2: larger car. There you go. Hawks with a nice comeback against the Bucks last night. Dano, thank you as always. Thank you, Gil. Dan Bespris, everybody, at Dan DanBespris, B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter.
1: Dan Weston next. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately.